Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It has. Eventually, it will get there. It always does, it my always friend. Does. <laughs> I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. And this is a movie podcast. And you got that right. the course of the last year has changed a lot of the way we've viewed movies for this podcast. Uh, it's true. A little bit. Yeah, we were kind of reminiscing how the first 50 or so episodes have a lot of new releases. Yeah, stuff we we'd covered. be seeing in the theaters. So a lot of modern stuff. Uh, the Child's Play remake, Ma, things like that. Yeah, that we came out in most genre releases. We would cover. We got a lot of good genre releases around 2019 and even into early 2020. That was a good year. Yeah. Our first episode was us, brand new, <laughs> off the presses at the time. But uh, yeah, there was uh, so many great genre movies. Uh, we when we started doing these episodes, we weren't outright planning on doing a bunch of modern movies yeah i don't think that was ever the thing like let's be the hollywood minute (laughs) of genre movies we kind of planned on hitting up exclusively old stuff and then we just kept like a lot of movies liking the movies that were coming out yeah exactly like how could we not do midsummer and once upon a time in hollywood exactly exactly all those kind of new movies that we were really loving more than any other movies that were and we would still go to the older movies, the Cold Nights, but absolutely, absolutely. But there was just so many good, even modern stuff like uh, It Two, and you know the big horror movies. We like that stuff. We're all like good, so good times, my but friend. <laughs> over the last like what last happened in the last year, year of the podcast? Uh, what happened this last? My year? relationship with new movies totally changed. Once I couldn't see them in the theater, I really didn't seek them out nearly as hard uh yeah what it, about- it was strange yeah we uh the last movie we saw together in the theater last march of 2020 was the invisible man right that was like our last kind of new movie and that was episode. like four <laughs> days before everything got closed down <laughs> right for you know uh yeah that's the rest of time exactly and we're still kind of in that world and yeah i haven't been to a theater since that time you've seen a few throwbacks where you were literally the only dude <laughs> yeah in the theater, i was the only dude in which the is theater cool. watching friday the 13th but new movies i'm like those don't exist anymore right like we have just we just stopped making movies. We stopped releasing movies. So I didn't think about this really how out of the twenty, the rest of 2020, because I was, when theaters were open, I was going to the movie theater like twice a week. Because I would I usually- I would say minimum for minimum you. Minimum for me. Yeah. yeah I was going at least once a week for sure. Sure. Because I would always at least go to Third Street, the bargain cinema, my pride and joy. I would go there to watch pretty much anything. I saw some Absolutely. trash. Well, when you're only paying three seventy five a ticket, <laughs> this day and age, you're like sneaking in my candy. Yeah, sitting and then, there yeah. alone in the dark, like it was the greatest. Walking in with a coffee, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And so I would see anything tree. there, but I won't see motherless Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I would see. That was my yeah, only walkout. Just like I don't know, Third Street, three seventy five. Come on, I'll take my three seventy five. But back. so I would see that there, and then I would go to the cult movies at Roxy. So I was spending time in the theater, and then the second the theater wasn't accessed, it was just like, 
well, I guess time to watch all these canon films from the 80s that I've never seen before. Yes. Never reading again about 2020 movies. Just wrote off new movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're done. There's been two Tom Hanks movies that have come <laughs> out since the pandemic started. Like new Tom Hanks? New Tom Hanks. One, he's like a submarine guy in World War II. And one, he's like an Old West guy. And it's like about him being a mailman in the Old West. <laughs> and it's just like, we'll see that on the Apple TV menu. Okay. And, and we'll just be like, ah, Tom Hanks, get me the news, my friend. I'm not going to see that shit. Why would I watch that? I had that? no idea either of these existed. Yeah. It's, I think it's called News of the World, right? Oh, okay. I saw, but okay, then my so, wife's flipping through. She's like, do you want to see that Tom Hanks movie, Getting You the News? <laughs> it's like, we, like, no one's taking them seriously we anymore. Getting You the News. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, that's what I mean. It's like you, you hear like, oh, this new thing came out on Apple TV or on yeah. like Netflix now that, as they do. Like, I don't, for some reason, the <laughs> gravitas is, is not there. Yeah. Like, like, these things are not important because they are not on the big screen. I'm sure there's... Yeah, if I could see some of these on the big screen. But, like, that's what made me start thinking about how out of it I have been for any new releases. Yeah, because the Golden exactly. Globes came out. And I was like, well, let's see what I've seen that's been nominated. And it's like, Mank. <laughs> <laughs> what is... What is Mank? Did they misspell that? Yeah, yeah is, that is that the, right? Wait, is that the name? Is and Mank? then you're like, David Fincher did Mank. <laughs> Wait a minute. So all yeah, these movies, we talking, I had like, no all these, idea. All these great directors that we love have been releasing movies. And it's like I, I just haven't seen them. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But I've been using the pandemic to revisit things and oh, see yeah. the old stuff that I haven't caught up on yet. Yeah, I've probably watched, I've watched some dumb movies. There's been some really nice finds during the pandemic, but it's been such an unfocused, like random set of viewing, yeah. and I really relied on that theater weekly experience to kind of keep me the second i had no access to that it's just like well i guess i'm gonna fall behind everyone or it's it's kind of like just like somehow you realize oh the new release schedule was like curating what i was watching like you would see things as they came out because you had this limited window because i had this window and i love seeing it in the theater and now everything's just everywhere and like how do you pinpoint this or that above anything there's no urgency for me at all even when it's a movie i know i enjoy it's like i've been staring at the image for soul for six weeks you saw that you liked it i I know i would like it i I did watch that one but part of my brain is just like hell it's gonna be there it'll exactly it's not going anywhere it's not going anywhere everything's there now you got time Yeah. yeah now that i don't need to see it in the theater which i would which would be my number one choice obviously yeah i don't care and so this all happened, this episode happened because, like I said, our last new 2020 movie was like <laughs> was the a Invisible year ago. Man. Yeah, yeah, Invisible yeah. Man in March. And uh, I got a Redbox code sent to me in my email, free movie. I figured, man, I haven't gone to Redbox in like several months. Don't even know what would be new there. Yeah. So I took like 40 minutes to look through the new stuff, and the only thing that jumped out was there's a horror movie that had Robert Forster in it. I didn't know there was any 2020 Robert Forster. So he passed away before 2020. And he is uh, a guy who, no joke, we've talked about wanting to do every one of his movies. Because he is somebody that he is. We throw around words like show favorite, show show (laughs) friend. 
Robert Forster is kind of one of the inspirations for doing this show. Yeah, he's like as the much as we've not talked show. about him so far. It <laughs> yeah, was... we keep wanting to just talk about all of his movies, so they just keep getting uh, pushed back. Exactly. So he's we're so important. To I us. guess we're gonna just start at the end here. Yeah, and talk about the Wolf of Snow Hollow. So yeah, the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Once I saw there was a horror movie with Robert Forster, I was like, that sounds cool. And then I happen to see though on the site it lists some of the like critic reviews and stuff so i saw like oh wait this is like really highly rated amongst at least by rotten tomatoes and that kind of thing yeah and so then it's like okay there's a horror movie with robert forster and it's got good reviews that sounds like a good waste of 60 cents (laughs) and i ended up getting so much more out of this movie other than just a predictably great robert forster performance up until his final role absolutely so good never lost a step no uh, so fun watching him in the Twin Peaks revival in 2017 <laughs> sure. and, and all that. And he's even just better in this. Yeah, this is a great... This is a character that he does really well, which is a guy who's getting uh, too old for the game. Mm-hmm. That's been the kind of a great cash-in role for him over the last pff, 20 years. Ever since Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown Pretty was much, a too right? old for this game right. thing. That was 97. He was playing that card, and it gave him the most fruitful period of his career, (laughs) right? He never worked more and in higher prestige things than he did from post-Jackie Brown to literally his death. Absolutely. And uh, there's so many gems out there. Underseen Forrester performances, one of uh, my very favorites that we will talk about someday, is called Diamond Men. Mm. He was, uh, you know, supplied jewelers and other shops traveling these towns, and was breaking in his replacement. And it's the same kind of character. The guy who's getting out of this specific profession after only knowing this and being kind of adamant to not leave. And he does it so well that I've seen his character so many times and it's always fresh and it's always brings something a little different to its setting. So if this movie was only a great Robert Forster performance, I would have called it a win. Right, exactly. I would have been into it. But I ended up loving the rest of the movie. (laughs) This is one of those that's like, man, has any other thing in 2020 been like this? Any other straight-to-video kind of thing been this good? Yeah, I had heard of this movie coming out, seen ads for it on the internet or When I brought it, after I saw it a month or so ago and brought it up to you, you immediately were like, oh, yeah, I remember reading about this. And it was always one of those where, like, man, that looks good. Whenever that, you know, ends up showing up at my doorstep, I'll see it. And then you just never heard of it again because it officially released in, like, October last year. Right. I didn't hear about to it nothing. Then. Yeah. I didn't hear about it until just looking up what I just looked under the horror page at the red box. But yeah, it's just the only reason I heard title that. alone, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like Good it. title. This is that draws you in right there. I love anything with a wolf in the title. I love any werewolf well, type crazy. movie. You know exactly kind of <laughs> the well, territory you're stepping into. I didn't quite into. know what territory. I didn't really know anything about this movie other than I saw Forster's name mm. attached and some good reviews. So that was enough to that's all I needed. So I didn't know anything. I didn't know if it was actually about a werewolf or what. Could have just been any kind of wolf. Yeah, just a normal just dickhead wolf. Asshole yeah. wolf. <laughs> but I was thinking about this earlier. For as much as you... I, we're both wolf movie fans. I like a good wolf movie. I'm a huge wolf man guy at my heart. Yeah. It's uh, got a special place But this in is the first me. wolf movie we've done. It is. It's we had, It's not intentional. We did a great episode on the howling oh that's right yeah well 
We had technical issues, yes. and we had to put a child to sleep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we, had to, we had to get a baby coffin for that one. And you know what else gives us a baby coffin? Wolf of Snow Hollow does. Yeah, I had to put an ad out. Uh, the Howling episode never, <laughs> never listened used. to for sale. Yeah, yeah it was never uh, uploaded. Yeah, we talked about the Howling when we were first getting started, and uh, one of the mics wasn't didn't work. It or sounded something. like me talking to myself so, about the it was very, Howling. You had a lot of great things to say. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't but hear it, what I had. But when to that say. happens, it's just like getting ninety eight percent of the way through a video game and then not playing it for two years. You're oh, like, sure. oh shit! I don't know how to beat right. the final guy. I have to do all of it over again. I'm never gonna do it over again. You're just like, this thing doesn't auto save. What the fuck? Well, yeah. So the poor howling. I I remember being like, man, that's a good episode. I really <laughs> like that one. And it was so long ago now. It's just like I'm never gonna watch the howling again. That was it. Never Maybe. Gonna... Well, there's gonna be a new howling eventually. So they'll they'll remake that in the next two years or so. Nah, right? I'm doing howling two first. Ah, We're doing the Howling Boogaloo. sequels first. Let's start with but, Howling Four. We, that's what we do. We start. Yeah, at the that's end. what we do. It. We go. The, we go to the end of. Oh, but no, I love eight. You know the the werewolf genre mm-hmm. uh, is just such a. It's just the perfect like you can do anything with it. You can I, make it fun and campy. You can make it classic. You oh, can yeah. do anything you want with it. And this movie is a really cool. Kind of hits all the buttons. It mm-hmm. it kind of has some classic horror moments. It's got this quirky kind of indie film. It's v- kind of smart, <laughs> smart dialogue thing going. Yeah, it's got yeah. this emotional It's super family, dialogue heavy. But it's got like a real actual core of a character. Yeah. Who's kind of like this uh, young adult uh, kind of Charlize Theron type <laughs> character, as a, as, but a, he's a sheriff. He's a self-destructive <laughs> and self-destructing town sheriff yeah. with... An ex-wife who doesn't like him, and a daughter he's been distant to and fails repeatedly, and has anger issues. He's a recovering alcoholic, and this guy, and he's, yeah, he's a. It's Jim Cummings is the writer director. Well, this was a big. When all I knew about this movie was Robert Forster in a movie, and I was like, cool, cool, yeah, yeah. And then this movie starts, and it's like you get that independent film, which is I hate it, but I love it when you see one of these movies. And you have to sit through the logos of like 13 yes. different right. indie production companies because this guy's getting money from everybody just to make this movie on his terms. And then the credits start, and it's one of those flicks where just Jim Cummings' name keeps coming up. And it's like, oh, man, we're in for one guy's vision. This, I didn't know yeah. it was a one dude's vision movie, you know? It's a Cummings joint. It's a Cummings joint, and he is a major part. Written, directed, starring in... And producer, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He is fully involved in this movie. And that's always going to be like either a noble failure. Like, hey, man, this guy made a movie. Right. You know, like, that's like... <laughs> right. You know, that's like a decent floor, though. Like, hey, that's an accomplishment. You made a movie. You made a real movie. Well, when you are... Yeah, when you're putting your name on all the parts, you really are depending on people to... Like people are gonna associate you with whether they like this movie or not. Yeah, like, this is gonna You're be attached on you. fully. <laughs> In one of the show favorites, nothing but trouble. <laughs> that is Dan Aykroyd's owning it, and there's a reason why you didn't hear much about Dan Aykroyd's career post nothing but trouble. That's true. He starred in it, played multiple characters in it, wrote it, directed it, he produced directed it. That? Oh yeah. God. 
everything about nothing but trouble was placed solely at the feet like usually people are smart enough to protect themselves a little bit get some other names on that don't own something like that's putting yourself out there well that's like the the you know the james cameron just like i'm this is my vision this is the thing yeah jim cummings he had made one uh kind of indie film and then i guess got into the horror subgenre but this movie is very much like as if not Kevin Smith, but like if an indie quirky kind of Noam Bambaki kind of <laughs> sure. smart guy, you know, had some fun with the horror genre. There's a lot of moments where the movie's just having fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of funny bits to it, although it's not really a comedy. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a There's comedy. Some scenes I laughed were... out loud a few okay, times. Okay, here's another thing. This it is may... another thing that's really bugged me about the last year or two of horror stuff. We've talked about this before. Is some somehow we can't have horror movies anymore without every piece of press on them called horror comedies. Right. If a horror right. movie now has one laugh in it, it is now officially a horror comedy. I've seen so many like fucked movies <laughs> that are not funny, but they have two funny scenes because people are funny. People talk to each other and there can be laughs because of that. And the rest of it's just like violent desolate bleak horror and it's like dark comedy horror film it's like no something can just be a horror film mm-hmm. and so this movie and also have some laughs in yeah it. it can all happen it doesn't have to be a horror not everything's a horror comedy and i saw that written so much after i watched this movie and then went back and looked at what other people well, thought you know on the imdb even it's comedy horror thriller it's like listed they as put a comedy, comedy first. first that's so silly there is one very funny scene that's written intentionally to be funny, but it's such a small part and just a little fun character part. And there is way more heavy personal drama. Mm-hmm. You got to look at the balance of what is made up more of a percentage of this movie before you define it as a comedy. Well, I feel like it's the same way that people call Fargo a comedy sure. or Twin Peaks. I felt like this movie sits right at the intersection. Wherever Snow Hollow is, I didn't quite get like, <clears throat> but it's it's snowy. It's Trees. It's Utah. It's oh, it's Utah. Okay. Yeah. Well, right in between Twin Peaks and Fargo, yeah. you got Snow Hollow, and I feel like there's that quirky tone to a lot of the things. Characters are kind of over uh, amplified well, a little bit, maybe. Everybody but, is amped up. Like I said, this is dialogue heavy, and a lot of people like shouting dialogue. Exactly. And, like there's a lot of like a lot chaos of exasperation and, uh, going on. A lot of camera moving around people. Yes. Uh, and. But the comedy really doesn't hit because we get into a pretty early series of like small town potential hate speech (laughs) moving directly into gruesome murders that shake a town that usually doesn't have murders happen. Yeah, I think a lot of the comedy actually ends up being when you look back on it going, oh, these these are small town cops having like a nervous breakdown because they're (laughs) way in over their heads. Yeah. And this main character who is played by Jim Cummings, his name is uh, John Marshall. He's like the son of Robert Forrester, so he's the incoming sheriff as Robert Forrester. Yeah, Forrester's is the getting old retired. sheriff refusing to relinquish his position, and even uh, though his heart's getting worse and worse by the month. Right, and so much of this character is struggling with alcoholism, struggling with his marriage, lashing out at everyone, and also having to deal with like pretty incompetent fellow detect, uh, you know, yeah, sheriffs. Really having to take a lot on his back and uh, feeling like. Yeah, feeling like he's, I really related to the sense of 
being surrounded by idiots that you kind of get in this movie. <laughs> I've felt that way quite a bit the last few weeks, and I really identified with this Marshall guy just being like, do your job! Just do your job! Like those moments where he's just telling people, don't don't talk about werewolves. This is a guy, because everyone right. thinks a werewolf has been has been killing these people and tearing them up, and he's like, there's no such thing as werewolves. This is a man... Do your job. Do this. Do that. At the you know, while he's trying to maintain family life, crumbling. While know, the town all these is, worries, get, is getting everybody in the town hates him. It's because like, they just want these murders to stop. But yeah, everyone's mad at him trying to do his job. Yeah, and everyone's saying like they could do a better job than him. And it's like, no, you fucking can't. <laughs> yeah. And man, is there such a better like kind of metaphor for how regular people feel in 2020 than just like. Like, you worry about your shit, I'll worry about my <laughs> shit. Let's everyone do our part, and then we can stop the death. Like, yeah. let's all work together here instead of just shouting at each other. And that's kind of the the process you have to go through in this movie as far as... There's a lot of people that are just having overreactions because of ever-tense situations that keep getting worse. And it's like everything just keeps raining down on this guy, and the deaths keep piling up. And yeah. They keep getting more and more gruesome, and the leads keep getting them nowhere. And yeah, he keeps getting more and more enemies just because he's not able to catch the guy. It's just like, oh my god. It's it, such yeah. a, uh unexpectedly laid-out werewolf movie, where at the same time, we're getting these snapshots of these wolf killings oh, man. that are all really scary. And uh, I thought really effective, like the one with the poor snowboarder gal. Yeah, this movie is great in that every time someone gets killed, you get about a five-minute vignette of just kind of their them living their life. Yeah. And so you get just enough to be like, oh, I really identify with this woman who's clearly... <laughs> clearly just being introduced like, for bad do, reasons. Like, like, yeah, the snowboarder is like, you see this woman teaching kids on the course, being fun and funny, but also having this like darkness in her and talking to her friend about how the boy that it treats her like shit is yeah. like she keeps going back to and you get just enough of that so that when she gets fucking torn up in a parking lot you're just like oh this poor baby oh man i'm yeah. sorry and the woman with the kid and you oh that scene is the movie creepy. is the movie could have gone so dark and then they kind of give you the quirkiest like coroner uh office fight scene <laughs> interspliced with these scenes of this woman being attacked and then you just get the one shot of the baby coffin just to let you know <laughs> yeah. shit got real dark yeah the woman but with like the, the tone never lets you just... soak in that darkness the tone is always jumping a little bit which i actually liked i i didn't need to get like super depressed about right kids getting torn up i they they laid a they, subtle they hand a fine on line. us by it's just showing that you know no movie's going to be able to show a four-year-old getting torn up by a wolf man so i like their way around it is as tasteful and as and is as kind of uh you know they aren't getting super gory with a lot of these things we aren't getting throat slashed or things like this it's right. a lot of us not seeing the attack and then seeing uh off in the distance shots of the gross gore it gives you some good shots of the wolf though Yes, that's one of the things Holy that I love early. Man. I like that they did not beat around the bush, and by that second killing, you know, we get the one girl who gets killed outside of her cabin. Right, the opening scene. And, yeah, you uh, see nothing there, really. Right, you just see the aftermath. Yeah. And then by the second one, though, you get 
one of the coolest shots, the full-on just wolf standing up, and you see the distance between them. Yes. <sighs> wow, that, that straight-up 2D shot where you see him standing to his hind legs was... Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Maybe that's why the howling came up in our minds, because these are howling type. These are definitely howling type, type werewolves. Wolf. Yeah, this yes. is not the hell beast on four legs. This is a standing up wolf man. Even has the, the same pointy... Or is uh, it? Yeah, yeah, it's the same pointy ears. As, this is clearly inspired by the howling werewolf. Big time. So it's great, great sister connection there. But yeah, I love the. You know, I get why some lower budget movies don't show the monster, and some are really good at crafting ways around... Not showing the monster, a movie like It Comes at Night, hmm. does a really good job of not seeing what you're supposed yeah. to be afraid of. And once I saw the werewolf in this one, though, I was like, oh, I'm really glad we got to see this wolf. <laughs> I'm good. glad yeah. we saw this wolf like 20 minutes in. And yeah, it, it, I think there's some computer you know, effects there, but it didn't. none of it looked... Yeah, it's it was, easy for a two million dollar budget. Yeah, this for thing a really good. low budget indie movie, uh, it looked really good. And uh, we talked about Forrester. We talked about how much Jim Cummings just dominates the screen time and how badly that could have gone. Yeah, he pulls and, it off. Uh, I think he pulls it off really well. I think he really f- fits into a groove. At a certain point, maybe I'm alone in thinking this. <laughs> he kind of is doing some like Jim Carrey mannerisms hmm. in the beginning. And those kind of tone down a little bit as we go deeper into the movie. His uh, yeah, his character is especially exasperated in the beginning, yelling at everyone, uh, and then you kind of get a little deeper into his alcoholism and self punishment. And mm-hmm. so I, it kind of rings true. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a little bit bombastic. I don't think it's ever like goofy or anything though. I think no, it, I, I think, think it works. I think the drama, uh, the personal drama, is handled really well. Uh, you know, if they make up for it with like uh, some bombastic kind of quality, as you say, I think the sincerity is important to it. Like the scenes between uh, his daughter and him, especially yes. when he's like blackout drunk. I thought that was a really powerful, uh, well done scene. Yeah, that that relationship rang true. A lot of it, you know, rings true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to say Ricky Lindholm is great in this movie. She's great. That's, I was cow. building up to talking about yeah. her because I really like her transition into like, I don't know, Sissy Spacek sure. <laughs> kind, of, kind of characters. Like now I can see that and I never really thought of her that yeah. way before. If you don't know her, she's like a, I, I knew her from comedy. I knew her from Garfunkel and Oates. Yeah, like a yeah, <laughs> That's comedy the first thing music I saw, duo. Right? Uh, and, but uh, yeah, she totally is just... Kind of really strips down her herself into and this she's been very do, believable she's been getting character. into more kind of cool roles like this. Like Knives Out was another you know big one mm. from from recently, and she does a lot of like geez, I, I she always does like cartoon voices and stuff like that, right, right. And a so lot of she that. can start adding in cool genre movies. Like I think there's oh she was big in another an, what's the one where they would um. Shit. <laughs> I fucked up. I just or thought what? of her. And, and no, it's fine. It was some TV show where she's uh, <laughs> her and Natasha Leggero are like in the Victorian era. Oh, another period. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was great. Thank you. We another period was a funny. Yeah. That, were, that ran for that. like a couple of seasons. That I was really that. funny. Yeah. But yeah, so she's really well known from comedy. But I think the drama that she brings to this, I was into it. Especially she, she knows which kind of 80s. Uh, cop chick she's supposed to be but she brings a modern touch to it i love that scene of her eating ramen 
going yeah. over case files that had a real like 80s cop woman Catherine Bigelow kind of I got that yeah <laughs> kind of vibe to it when she's pouring over these profile cases eating her ramen and uh, you know gave me another gave me another like kind of Fargo hit though like I got a lot of oh, yeah. like Fargo hits on this the small town cop but there was no playing but, up. But there the, was uh, no like accent. There's no yeah. There's like, no playing up dumbness. the local quaintness or yeah, the yeah, colloquialisms yeah. Sure. of it. There's no none of that small town charm seeking in. This is pretty like a a, a normal town that's not <laughs> sensationalized yeah. and sillied up. That's true. And uh, I I like the way the townsfolk talk to each other because it does feel real. It does feel like a normal people. And there's town assholes, but no, nobody's like this outright villain or character. They didn't really want to go so far out of the way to make everybody a suspect. Right. Yeah, they didn't do the thing that you see so often where everyone could have done it, you know, or, ooh, could it be the main character all along? They, they don't kind of bother with that. Yeah, they don't bother it's with a, any of this it's kind bullshit. Of very, yeah. it, there's a lot of proceduralness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much like looking for clues and dealing with the aftermath of the crime and interviewing people, and there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, and it's, and it's engaging, though. While you're dealing with... Uh, you know the main character Jim Cummings spiral and seeing all as as the town keeps hating him and his job keeps getting worse and worse like not only is he hated by everyone but then he has to return all the like evidence right to yeah. the all the people they took it from who have all been accused of this who've all lost people and he has to just go door to door trying to just like this guy is really getting lower and lower every day it this makes job you wonder is killing him why like I never could understand why you would want to do a job like that. No. And this is let's spend, I, let's spend my days looking at dead bodies and yeah. and dealing with bereaved families or suspects of killings. Yeah. Yeah, and not not my This choice. really starts to wear the more you see him. I I was really feeling what he was going through. I was really liking his specific style and I felt it really uh got lived into the movie the longer it went on. Mm-hmm. And I really liked his relationship with Robert Forster. And one impressive thing, so I've seen this a couple times now. One thing that really impressed me this time, and I was only noticing that because we just recently watched a, a girls' night out with Hal Holbrook, and Hal Holbrook is not in any other scene with anyone else. <laughs> but it's handled so well that it doesn't really bug me. Right. Watching it this time, it's like, man, there's so many of these scenes where these are just shots on one person at once. And you could tell this guy was probably making this like, faster than a normal movie is getting made and he's filming all these separate scenes and editing them together and it didn't affect any of the acting or interplay all the exchanges felt really fired up and really in each other's moment and i kept noticing how (laughs) there's a chance none of these people were in the same room at once robert (laughs) forster could have filmed almost all of his scenes totally alone Hmm. other than the two where he's like walking with his son there's plenty where they're just sitting in chairs on opposite sides of each other and None of the acting level changes between any of these kinds of scenes. And Forrester's role is so good. I loved him talking to the journalist outside yes. the sheriff's station. That politeness while still not wanting to get made to look like an idiot. This ego, that stubborn character of his just not wanting to let it go and refusing to let on how bad his health's doing. Like... He has so many good cover-ups. He's got so many... the he's got the biggest laugh in the movie, in my opinion. When which, which when one? they're they're about to go out and hunt for this werewolf, and he says, "I'm not going to lead you in prayer because of the goddamn lawyers." <laughs> Just that perfect little joke right in there. The old man, you know, these goddamn lawyers. 
It's really like there's a few great moments like that where the librarian scares him. The librarian scare. That's the one where I think of the outright comedy. That's a comedy bit. Yeah, where the guy does that. We get that great montage of the main dude going to the library and getting every like book on the occult. Yeah, and every horror book ever, and doing one of those great all nighter at the library montages of making copies and circling passages of just. And then getting scared half to death yeah. by the librarian, <laughs> like in the morning. Yeah, that's a great like self-aware horror line of like when the cop in town checks out the spooky books. <laughs> yeah, like don't sneak up on him. Like, but even acknowledging there's mo- these moments, like without one, I don't want to spoil the ending. But Mm-mm. at the end, there's a moment where he kind of Jim Cummings kind of makes a realization. Yeah, and just that kind of resigned like shit. Now yeah. I got to follow through with something. And there's a couple of moments reveals, like that I really loved. Uh, in the climax of this movie that I thought were genuinely scary. Yes. Uh, genuinely smartly laid out and uh, with some cool breadcrumbs there, if you noticed them. I noticed a couple different things now that I've watched it a second or third time that I didn't would not have noticed the first time. Mm-hmm. But you're noticing it's like a usual suspects thing where you can see Kevin Spacey acting a certain way that you wouldn't have even picked up on right. and you knew nothing about who he was. And so now, once you know who some people are in the movie, there's things that you read totally different, and not all movies have that kind of staying power that can actually get more interesting when you know what to look for. Hmm. And I found this one had that. And it's just a really strong, (laughs) singular vision from a guy. You don't really see the werewolf movie from the cop's point of view, I feel like, very often. It's yeah, always centered it's, on the guy who keeps turning into the werewolf. It's usually this this cursed identity right. thing with the man and wolf. Yeah, so I it, this, it gave me kind of like an X-Files vibe watching it throughout, too, because you had these quirky kind of Mulder, Scully-type characters. Like, Ricky Lindholm could have been Scully. Totally. And Cummings could have been Mulder. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they have that kind of same... Reversed who wants to believe versus who doesn't want to believe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the the kind of... There's a lot of that mannerism in it. And then it's also like trying to solve this mystery. And is it supernatural? Is it not? Yeah, I thought the, All that great stuff. The mystery this was, is a great like Monster of the Week X-Files yeah. oh, episode. Oh, very much. Yeah. This would be a strong X-Files episode. And it plays really well as a gory, gross, but not overly disgusting horror movie Mm -hmm. uh it really cared about a lot of its characters and it was not i thought uh it took a lot of risks that could have felt very heavy-handed anytime you're dealing with an alcoholic lead character right but i didn't feel like that metaphor like going for that Yeah. yeah i didn't think any of it was melodramatic i didn't think it was overly sensational i liked the the looks at him at his meetings i liked him off the wagon Mm-hmm. You know, I thought those scenes had, uh, you know, some class to them. It it felt like someone who had who had experienced that firsthand a it, little bit. It did. Just and you the, just the, there's a scene where he he's like sneaking beers in a cupboard, mm-hmm. and there's just like a scene where he kind of drinks and just like closes his eyes and like lets it wash over him. Yeah, and you're just like, that's that feels fucking real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that feels. Pretty real, just Jim. Standing in your dark kitchen corner, and just, uh, that just that feels familiar. Feeling it flow through your veins, yeah, kind of a thing. That like, feels familiar. Huh. That. Jim's had some experience. With it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and I think that that adds to the to the movie and his yeah, character yeah, definitely. And I think his character is better with playing off Robert Forster and playing off Ricky Lindholm. 
mm-hmm. like what they have, and I love all of what she brings to it. I like the confidence she brings to her forensics character, totally. and I like just they don't go any kind of uh, female. Like I don't know, they don't. Uh, they don't. They never play her like even in Fargo. You are you're worried about Marge Gunderson, right? They, she's never in any danger or anything, and she kind of figures it out at the same time he does. I like that. I like that moment in a movie where people in d- opposite places come to the same conclusion. Oh sure. Well, by the end of this and, movie, and, and they like, definitely and go for you it. as the audience come to that conclusion at the same time. You're like, oh shit, oh shit. Everyone uh, figures it out at the same time. They definitely I do, like do a big Silence of the Lambs thing right. at the end, right. and our big reveal even has like a Buffalo Bill kind of vibe of yeah, yeah. to it. I was get I, I, that didn't hit me at all on the first watch, but this time I was just like, oh man, they are going full Silence of the Lambs on this thing. Right. But it's great. It's a really good fit for the movie. And yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending or the couple twists and uh, uh, reveals that are really just part of a really good making me want to watch other 2020 stuff. But I don't know. I've been underwhelmed by a lot of the recommended Shudder originals. and Right. It's really just like, yeah, this is stuff they're releasing right now because uh, <laughs> there's nothing else uh, coming like, out. I feel like things coming out lately, yeah, new stuff especially, feels unfinished. Yeah, very it, much. It just feels like, I don't know, maybe they just... Maybe when you're doing a Shutter thing or a Netflix thing. I think everybody thing. just needs to agree to do a big catch-up. Yeah. It's like, look, you know what, everyone? There's always been like that show that you've talked about watching for like the last decade or that your sister keeps bugging you to watch or your coworker keeps asking you. But it's like, you have to do it now. This is yeah. it. We're not. We're doing nothing new. Nothing new. Put a moratorium on it. Make everybody go catch up on that show. You ever watch news radio? This is a good time to watch news radio. Great time to watch news radio. Yeah, this is great. You don't need these new, weird, unfinished... That was definitely one of the ones that I was trying to convince my wife to watch again. (laughs) News radio, Yeah, let's go back. No time like the present for it. Mm -hmm. We don't need the new stuff that's like weird, half-finished, and done over Zoom. Or just like, I'm not going to subscribe to CBS All Access. I'm sorry. I have too many right now. Yeah. I know you guys are... You put out too many. You've put out... They they put out like a stand miniseries. Oh yeah, and it's like, I guess I would watch that, <laughs> but no, I don't know. I'm just like yeah, I, I don't want to download the stand app. <laughs> just have to pay for my stand subscription. Just like you guys remade Twilight Zone and the Stand, and I'm just not interested <laughs> in either of them. I don't need access to Young Sheldon. Just but maybe I, I watch should the be. Twilight Zone. Maybe this is you know maybe this. The Wolf of Snow Hollow can be the movie that's like, no, man, it's good still. People are doing good stuff still. Yeah. It Check it really, out, you know? Exactly. This was really exciting. I, I actually did two Redbox movies, both back-to-back, both ones that had been recommended me, uh, uh, the second one especially, Love and Monsters. Hmm. And that was another 2021, and it was like, all right, there. so there is really cool stuff that was still out there. I just don't have the benefit of getting it brought to me in a theater. Right. It's great every week when there'd be two or three new movies at the bargain theater because then I can decide. It's easy when I'm picking between two and three, and they're all well. This exactly. one's the five thirty one, so I guess that's the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I feel like we're just not seeing the trailers and the ads that get us hyped like we used to. Yeah, like, I'm not I, watching them on my own. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going out of my way to watch movie trailers, and they just they just don't hit right when it's a thirty second spot in between something on 2D right. or whatever, you know, it's just, it just isn't the same as like the green screen. That's like this preview has been approved. 
Like, okay, I mean, good. I've seen something that's approved. Any I want that service <laughs> I use that still has like ads, like Tubi or whatever, that just becomes an immediate mute and go back to my phone. Yeah. For like four minutes of ads. There's no way I'm just, I'm not like a 65 year old. Some reason my parents are just like, oh, the ads are four times the volume of the program. <laughs> yeah, the remote's right next to me, but we'll just sit through all of them. Exactly. Why bother? Yeah. They'll go to their Maybe iPads them. like during the ads, but then just start talking during the show. It's like, what are we doing? We just sat with these full volume ads for, I hate how Goodness. you live. <laughs> and uh, so there's no way I'm seeing movie previews now. Exactly. And so, again, I didn't know this movie existed until I just saw Robert Forster's name. I don't know if I ever would have heard about this movie if I wasn't such a big fan of the guy. Hmm. And it was one of easily my favorite pandemic-era movies that I've watched. It was great. It so exceeded all my expectations for a horror and a drama. And it's just, there's got to be other cool movies that are just out there not being super seen because of our circumstances. So... Maybe we'll watch more. Maybe this will inspire us to dig a little more into current films. Maybe that Mank episode That's what is we need to do, just yeah. around the corner. Well, like I said, the Charlie Kaufman movie on Netflix I need to see. Oh, sure. There's, uh, God, what was the other one I was just Color talking about? Color Out of Space. Neither of us. Color Out of Space I still need to see. Vast of that, Night that, was that, one we determined came out during pandemic. Yes. And that was great. That was fun. Yeah, you know, so they're so out there's there. There's stuff out they're there. They're out there. Yeah. They're just not coming to a theater near you right now. And that, honestly is a bigger game changer than part I think of my, I thought it would part be. Part of my love of doing this podcast was us getting to watch these movies in the theater. And right. like that experience of seeing, it's so much fun seeing so many of these horror movies in a theater. And sometimes it would just be you and me. And it was so much fun. And we don't really get that anymore. And I'm really finding out that I really do get wrapped up in a movie more if it's in the theater. I'm zoned in. It is pitch black. I am focused. I'm eating my Mike and Ikes. Right. So at home, I've really been desperately trying to like, I'm turning the volume up to 80 to make it theater loud. I'm making the room as dark as possible. I'm, you know, I'm trying to recreate as much as possible. Cause I really, yeah. It's like, you got to make an effort now to put the phone down. Yeah. When you, cause it's like, yeah, I was doing that when we were watching the Howell Ulbrich movies. It was like, put the phone down, watch a movie. Yeah. Let, get into this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we watched the rituals, like, I was so glad that I was locked in. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's a lot of stuff that you could easily miss if you're just distracted by your phone. And it was easier for me to get distracted at home than it is in the theater where I just kind of put my phone in my jacket. Right. So that is taking the hit, <laughs> a big hit. I do miss that so much, but there's stuff out there. And this one's great. You can get this at Redbox for two bucks, it's streaming for like six bucks, and it's worth it. Yeah, it's on the Amazon. It's there. Yeah. For, for rent for, for six bucks, yeah. It's great. It's totally worth it. I wish I could have seen it in a theater because I would have loved it even more. Guaranteed. But we got it. I'm so glad we got a cool going out Robert Forster movie. We're going to watch a lot of Forster movies. Yes. This is a cool one to, it'll, it'll to come, hit up. It'll come around. But yeah, it came to this. It did come to this. Yeah, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Good wolf movie. Great wolf movie. Uh, I, was, I loved it. Yeah, I recommend it. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs>